My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 122nd episode of Space Spinner 2000. Pod- yeah, seriously. It's a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for November and December 1984, progs 391 to 394. This time, Hammerstein returns as Nemesis goes undercover, Dredd and Anderson head to the future, it's worm time for Ace Trucking, the stainless steel rat returns, and Rogue Trooper gets his man. Oh god, it's all awesome. It's front to back great. Like, Rogue Trooper's done, and it's fine, and then there's all this stuff that explodes, and it's great, and Hammerstein's here, I'm really excited for that, I'm really excited, I'm just, I love everything about it. Yeah, it's definitely it's an, right now, Conrad. Yeah, this part, like, like this end of the year, this is a real strong end of the year this week or this episode and the episode after that. I definitely agree with that. I just, it's so strong. Like, I, I feel like they knew what they were working with. Even the future shocks are not totally horrible. Yeah, they're definitely good and just kind of, yeah, they, they keep moving. But so I, I'll tell everybody, if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the Complete Case Files 8. Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth 2, or the uh, just the To the Ends of New Earth collection. Uh, the Complete Ace Trucking 2, Nemesis the Warlock Book 1, the Stainless Steel Rat collection, and you can find Hell Trekkers collected in, Judge, in the Judge Dread magazine issues 218 to 223, and you also find both the Future Shocks this week in uh, the Best of Future Shocks book. Beautiful. Wow. You can find everything. Yeah, we got, yeah, we got, we got homes for all these comics. Although, okay. you know... For me, I don't really like suggesting um, the the uh, Hell Trekkers in the magazine just because that seems like a lot of work to get like six magazine issues. But until until it's collected in its own thing in 2000 AD, that's the best place to get it. All right. You know, yeah, Hell and- Trekkers should get its own thing. Hashtag uh, uh, Hell Hell Trek to Hell Trekkers. Yeah, Hell Bookers. Hashtag. Oh, there we go. Hashtag saddest graphic novel. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but speaking yeah, of writing, yeah. But speaking of writing off into the sunset, Fox. Oh it, hell yeah! It's through one rogue trooper. Oh god, it's almost over. In fact, it's literally over. That's right. Yeah. Um. So script robot for rogue trooper Jerry Findlay Day, art robot Cam Kennedy, letting robot Bill Nuttall. So you know, rogues up in the uh, ghost front in this like big frozen battlefield where both the Northers and Southers have been killed by the robotic con- by the uh, robots controlled by the Trader General having this final showdown. Um, ro- rogue is dodging through the trenches as robot shells pound around him and the chips give away his location, which is pretty rough. And, uh, it's it's pretty bad, and now he's under fire from robots. And my favorite thing is that he jams a, a battle standard into one of their fucking guns. Totally causes a big chain reaction, taking them all out. The uh, the traitor general puts on his fancy fur coat and prepares to head out to see Rogue's death, taking the master chip robot with him. After that big chain reaction, Rogue grabs the only weapon to hand, a shovel. And uh, he he ditches his malfunctioning gear and learns that it's been betraying him. So Gunner like opens fire, like you know, an auto fire controlled by the master chip bot, basically. Mm. Rogue dives into a bunker, and Bagman tosses a grenade into it. He's got him. Oh, God. Uh, and probably not, though. Right? Nah. The Trader General sends in a scavenger droid to get Rogue's biochip, and it does. Is this the end of Rogue Trooper? Nope. <laughs> nah, buddy. Uh, the Trader General gloats, of course, un- until Rogue does his classic move and reveals that he's been dug himself underground suddenly. He's like, I got that Bugs Bunny power. Um, Dude, pa- I, I, do you think that they're, like, aware? Do you think it's, like, a, a wink and a nod to, uh, like, everybody on the team knowing that this is a superpower, or at least, like, his one maneuver, because this is how it ends. It's definitely, like, they're definitely pulling out, like, the one thing that he's done really consistently for this thing. Um, yeah, to do the t- to do the burrowing thing that he's just been a real champ at. 
<laughs> Which is just I ridiculous. Mean, it's just, I love that this is how he gets them. Basically. Definitely. Yeah. So, Rogue comes back up. Before the Trader General can react, uh, Rogue smashes the Master Chip robot, and the Trader General's army is destroyed. Chips go back to normal. Um, and well, almost in, well, yeah. I should say that uh, while the Trader General was gloating, uh, Rogue reveals that he, like, taped his, like, oh, gloats, yeah. which, like, is, is enough to clear his name, basically. This is mildly important. Yeah. Also, Rogue just found a random, like, uh, computer chip and in seconds was able to etch a skull onto it to make it look like a fake biochip. <laughs> I just want to put that out there, too. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So the, the Trader General runs. Rogue takes aim at him, but um, intentionally misses the shot because he can't shoot the tra- anyone in the back, even if they're the Trader General. Never in cold blood. Yeah. He's honor man. Totally. Luckily, um, the yeah. Trader General escapes to like a uh, an aircraft, and the Souther Air Force appears, and they lack those compunctions and shoot him down. <laughs> and hey, look! All of these uh, Southers and Northern guys just mostly into yeah. the trenches. Southers, I think. Uh, the the general goes down a ball of flame. It's the start of a Souther offensive to retake this zone. Um, Rogue turns himself in to this expedition force, and soon he's on the shuttle back to Millicom, this giant space fortress. This looks pretty cool. And he's like, wake up, guys. We're home. Hooray. I guess, uh, he's cleared, maybe? Yeah. The end of Rogue Trooper! <laughs> oh my god. Uh, hey, it ended as it began, uh, at Millicom, and... Something? I, uh, I mean, like, quick retrospective, man. Yeah. I, I know I've been hating on Rogue Trooper a lot. I know a lot of people like it. <laughs> um, I I did find this this series almost completely boring. That oh, said, no. um, I I also, you know, it's got its tropes, man. And mm-hmm. I, I especially like reading and listening to some people's perspectives on it, like, you know, you've, you've done podcasts with a couple of people who've commented on Rogue. Um, yeah. Like, I definitely get that it's of its time. Um, and it's not like it's not awesome, right? Like, he's got these different ships and things, and that, you know, each one serving a function. Like, don't don't get me wrong, I'm a video mm. game guy, too. So that's just, like, rife with <laughs> good ideas. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, there uh, literally is a video game about it, right? <laughs> but, yes. Um, yeah, but I, no, I, guess, I, I, I agree. I really wish there yeah. was a greater threat. That's all. Mm, I mean, I, yeah, for me, it's just that, like, um, especially, like, when you aren't reading it, like, once a week, when you're reading it, like, f- you know, four rogues a week, mm. or even more so, I'd say, if you're, like, reading a collection of Rogue Trooper, you're just running it through. Um, the the artifice behind it, like, sort of the stuff about, like, you know, like, the formula for how it works and how these things go becomes really apparent, you know? Mm. Um, that sort of hurts it. And plus, like, you know, I feel like Rogue is more important almost as, like, a backstop, as sort of this consistent thing in the progs, mm. and sort of here as this kind of, like, steady future war story that, um, you know, is just sort of serves as, a, as one of the book, like, s- along with Dread, sort of ser- served as a bookend, or serve as a bookend, really, for, um, like, 2000 AD, <laughs> essentially, to sort of, like, here's something that's always in the back of the comic that you can sort of, like, set your watch to, almost. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Where I think it it kind of so here's where I'll disagree, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I I um I see things like Judge Dread or mm-hmm. even one off um series like uh, Skiz, which I I know it's hard to compare a lot of things to Skiz, but like right. even even Meltdown Man, right, which had its own problems, like a lot of these. Uh, comics like yes you could just be reading them once a week um but they're yeah. building worlds <clears throat> you mm-hmm. know and they're they're building like cool ideas or, or different things like um this feels like so much mach one to me um, uh, i see sans sans racism right like well yeah it's i mean it's kind like of he's the guy and he can do the thing um and he's never in peril and none of his guys are in peril whereas yeah like, this time we're seeing like real shit happening in some of these other comics that that have stakes yeah um, i th- I, th- I think you're right i think that the the nature of 
um, Rogue Trooper as this kind of genetically engineered super soldier sort of hurts him because he sort of has, because he ends up having like a gadget or like, you know, there's a gadget and bag man or like Gunner can sort of shoot something or things like that. And it lets Ooh. him solve problems kind of easily in a yeah. way that, um, in a way that, say, Bill Savage um, didn't have the ability to, right? Exactly. Just to com- compare it to another kind of episodic war story by Jerry Finley Day, right? <laughs> like, because that's the because that's the closest crossover. Because because those are the two that are the closest crossover. But I mean, mm. I think on the other hand, like you know, for what it's worth, I think Rogue Trooper has definitely been like one of the backbones of 2000 AD since it started in like 81, right? Or in like the 80s. Um, and it's carried a lot of weight. And I feel like, you know, I, I, I do kind of like this story of just this showdown and taking out the Trader General and stuff. Um, I feel like any story, at, like this was a pretty satisfying ending. Um, I'm not really stoked for the upcoming stuff. <laughs> oh, great. As we'll continue. You know, because it's not like there's, you know, I mean, we'll sort of, be, you know, we'll, we'll be jumping back into it. So I'll say like, you know, this is a sort of standard end of Rogue Trooper or end of Thrill stuff. I'll tell you that Rogue Trooper will be back basically in three episodes in Praga 401. Um, and yeah, so, and we'll sort of have a new saga and a new sort of set of series and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, and, and then there'll be more and even more stuff after that. I mean, you know, we still haven't gotten to what's widely thought of as the best Rogue Trooper story. That's in a, like, oh, really? a, that's in like maybe 200 progs, I want to say, this story called Cinnabar. But, um, Jesus, this is, um, but you know, the, this, I feel like I, I know in a lot of people's opinions and I sort of tend to agree that once they take, once Rogue's taken out the traitor general, like the main animus for his story has been lost, you know, it's like when Richard Kimball catches the one armed man, it's like, okay, you know, now I'm not super interested, you know, this character has lost some of his motivation, some of his other stuff behind him. You know what I mean? Wow. All right. I mean, that's, but. So that's that's all really interesting, and uh, don't get me wrong. Like this is this is no Death Planet, right? Like we've oh, yeah. definitely, definitively read worse. Um, yeah, absolutely. But but so I mean, it's, yeah, it's it, it's definitely also been that like even if Rogue isn't an absolute bad, he's definitely been at our bottom like for a long like consistently towards yeah. the bottom of, of the thrills and stuff, which makes it tough that he's that it's also so um, well-regarded and sort of so, so long-running, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Rogue Trooper is this character that will sort of, you know, and that has been one of these, you know, a character like Dread, where they sort of don't have us, you know, they sort of switch artists around and sort of it serves as more of a long-term episodic character as opposed to a specific one like say like nemesis for instance or even like johnny alpha or something like that oh sure Ah. but you know i think it's good yeah it's good to talk about and i think and you know i'm worried now that i've poisoned the well a little bit but um you know i'm interested to hear the next part of our our next stage of nemesis or of a of rogue trooper and stuff and just to sort of get to the next part of that story and things there's some cool that there is some cool stuff coming up with Rogue and like the chips and all that stuff in the next story. Um, it's not like all bad, but it's definitely like you know, in terms of a motivation, Rogue going after the Trader General is really the most is, is the best motivation that the character ever has. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like I, yeah. I firmly agree with that. And let's just say I'm I'm glad he's he's getting a break. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Break. Yeah, like like yeah, like taking. Four pro like uh, four two episodes off, I think is going to be good. But uh, yeah, but speaking of ne- of uh, other stories that we might be more interested in, Fox. Oh my God! Yeah, Thrill Two, Nemesis the Warlock. Oh, he's um, so beautiful with his cane and his cool cape. Yeah, he's real cool looking. Uh, so, script robot Pat Mills, art robot Brian Talbot, lettering robot Steve Potter. So. Uh, when we last left Nemesis, he'd been accused of the phantom murders actually perpetrated by Torquemada and was sort of having to deal with the cops, basically, as Torquemada escaped. Um, so um, the cops are trying to take a Nemesis, but it's no dice. He, like, levitates up and starts attacking him and makes his escape, basically. <laughs> with, and uh, 
you know, how the fuck do you get out of that sort of situation, Conrad? I mean, as a 2000 AD protagonist, and especially one accompanied by Rojas, he makes his escape into the sewers, naturally. <laughs> There's only one way to get out of anything, and that's sewer level. Always, way. yeah. So while he's down there, though, he reads the minds of the Hellfire Club members and realizes their plans, which is to kill Queen Victoria. We gotta go. What? Don't kill Queen Victoria. She's so cool looking yeah. at the yeah, well, she's very nice. It's very much the uh, the young queen version of Victoria and stuff. Yeah, um, beautiful. Yeah, very nice. So as they head out to try to save the queen, Rojas wonders about his old buddy Hammerstein. What's he up to? Hey, let's find out. Um, <laughs> oh, it's pretty fucking horrible if I, yeah. if I have to weigh in on that. Agreed, yeah. So on the planet uh, Lucknow, which is a major Indian city, and the seat of the uh, English East India Company, like back in the day. Mm. Um, we find Hammerstein leading a squad of ABC warriors against the infectious disease weapons of the Goths. Oh my god, they don't care, they're robots. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, surviving the disease weapons is the, uh, the B part of the ABC warrior, right? Oh, that's <laughs> actually true. Yeah, I like always the, uh, forget that ABC Warriors means uh, things. Uh, yeah, atomic, biological, and chemical. So yeah. diseases, I'd imagine, would be biological. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> you got to use water-based defense on these guys, right? Like rust over time. Yeah, well, I mean, that definitely seems to be the case. Is, you know, their big peril mostly is that like their bodies are deteriorating as they go. It's actually, it's pretty horrific, like... Well, I guess we're going to get into that in this next part, but oh my god. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so we see, um, yeah, Samson leading the thing. He's got, his, he's got his old robot, you know, angry robot head on. Um, he, although he's definitely the worst for wear. He's leading a team comprised of mad, of the robots Mad Ronin, Hitaki, and Skulmo. Um, they find a hut of unmetamorphosized goths, like sort of in their natural state before they sort of look like fake humans, basically. They look like wiggly starfish. Yeah, I mean, again, all these goths really remind me of like Victorian, um, a Victorian version of the uh, guys from the movie Galaxy Quest. And so, oh, yeah. And so, yeah. the, you know, those Galaxy Quest guys also kind of looked like uh, squid guys in their... Uh, in their fake form, so this is sort of backing that up for me, you know? You know, everything comes back to 2008. It, oh, you know, as, it, as, as it, you know, this, it's certainly the case. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Hammerstein wants to let him go, but Skullmo is a true believer in the uh, Terminator cause, so instead he guns them all down. Yeah, he seems like a real dick totally a real dick and that's why uh when he's but but despite that uh hammerstein doesn't even join in the other robots in looting skullmo for parts it seems you know you know you can like use a new drivetrain and stuff because it seems like hammerstein just wants to die oh no hammerstein you're so like cool though yeah die. seriously the abc warriors are attacking khartoum uh, named for a city in sudan where a massive british uh, battle took place um, the movie. I did the, not know that. Yeah, if you've seen the movie, the old movie, uh, Four Feathers, it's sort of based there. Mm -hmm. um, Hammerstein's super war weary, but still killing a lot of people, including the motorcycle riding Fifth Lancer Brigade. Oh man, cl clearly a reference to the uh, Charge of the Dawn Brigade and all those guys. Yes, and then also or one the, of the, the Light Brigade, I should art. say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the most beautiful art pages I've seen in a long fucking time. That is yeah, also yeah. horrific and also sad. Yeah. Um. It's um. In the Nerve Center, we're going to talk about it. Um, there's a certain artist that, like Talbot, is specifically uh, uh, borrowing from for a lot of the art in this yes. in these war sections. Um, but yeah, so the you know the uh, lancers are quickly cut down by um, the ABC <laughs> warriors, sort of as you do, um, just murdered. Yeah, but after the slaughter, Hammerstein and his pals are brought to the massive Black Cardinal, which is this crazy Pope vehicle robot. Who's it's, in charge of enforcing the beliefs of awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. He's a real cool uh, priest robot. Hammerstein and his buddies are sentenced to Mechquake for heresy, for their destruction. Meanwhile, oh, he is just ripping a dude apart while he's talking to him. Mechquake doesn't care, man. He's found a real place for himself in the far future. Uh, Hooray. 
Meanwhile, still on the run, Nemesis is checking out goth robots to disguise himself and Rojaws as the pair catch the Equatorial Express under magical disguise. Yeah. Guess like uh, Nemesis needs to stop off and look at some robots in order well, to get an idea of what to make the like ro- Rojas look like. Yeah, which is funny. interesting. It's cool. Yeah, they make he makes Rojas look like this little skinny uh, butler bot, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Nemesis boards the train, and they bump into another guy who turns out to be Torquemada himself. Uh, you know, strangers passing in the night, buddy. Oh my god, it's. <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, so they just sort of bump into each other and, like, say, oh, excuse me, but in fact, they're their own worst enemies, but they're both under magical disguise, so it sort of works out. <laughs> so the Equatorial Express chugs along as Torquemada and his allies, Starblower and Ursa Betty, who finally gets a name, uh, <laughs> the, Iron, the Ion Duke's daughter, uh, Scheme. Torquemada needs a new body immediately, but who? How about uh, Mr. Manchu, the Chinese governor? Oh, God. His first name is Fu, obviously. Of course. Meanwhile, Nemesis is disguised as a traveler and orientalist named Mr. Smith, which is a very Doctor Who kind of thing, if you ask me. Like, that was always Doctor Who's um, <laughs> alias. And the idea That's of just... an orientalist? Yeah, just Mr. your... Smith. Uh, Mr. Smith. But just the idea mm. of being sort of like, yes, I'm a traveler who knows a lot of crazy stuff is also feels very Doctor Who to me, of just like mm, a Doctor yeah. Who-like... Um, like, if Doctor Who was hiding in Queen Victoria's court, he'd just be sort of this guy that knows a lot of things and is mysterious. <laughs> um, so, uh, Nemesis as Mr. Smith is hosting drinks for the great and good in his train compartment. And Mr. Manchu comes down with some food poisoning. Torquemada follows him Ooh. back to his uh, to his car where he kills oh, his kung fu bodyguard and then grossly Dude. takes control of him. It was awesome. The kung fu bodyguard sees him attacking him and just does a flying kick into fucking Torquemada's yeah. face. Torquemada just like just throws the thing in his head. Through. Yeah, it's good. Um, meanwhile, is, the Torquemada gross mass is disgusting. He's just like a big old pile of tentacles and worms and grossiness. Oh, for sure. It's really disgusting. Yeah. Meanwhile, Hammerstein, Hitaki, and Mad Ronin are about to be fed to Mechwake back in his bulldozer body. Big jobs! And uh, Hammerstein says that uh, Mechwake will be doing him a favor. Oh, man. Well, Hammerstein, don't be so sad. Yeah, although, you know, even at, like, his height, Hammerstein was always very sort of jocular about being sent to Mechwake. Oh, I he was mean... always like... All right, buddy, I guess this is the end. You know, fair enough, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but now he's just like, fuck it. I, I don't yeah. know. Don't be no, sad. No, it's true. Yeah, he's super sad. Uh, Mechquake begins his evil work, pulling off Hammerstein's arm and preparing to oh. split his legs down the middle. When suddenly the Black Cardinal intervenes, Hammerstein, based on the strength of his previous missions and stuff, has been tapped to lead the assassination of Queen Victoria. Okay, Even- I guess. There we go. Yeah, even if he doesn't want to do it, he'll be th- fitted with a self-destruct bomb and just some general kill craziness circuits. Um, <laughs> Great. Yeah, meanwhile, the Equatorial Express is nearing the Star Tower, a massive space elevator that leads up to the planet's moons. Oh my god, it's not even just a space elevator, it's a giant gun. It's good. Um, aboard a projectile to the moon, yeah, so in the bullet that they shoot to the moon, basically, that everybody's inside. Um Nemesis and Torquemada mingle with the VIPs um, as the reprogrammed Kill Crazy Hammerstein makes his assault with the other war robots. Next time. Let's hit those stinking aliens. Yeah. Next time, the Brick Moon. Is it actually made of bricks and not cheese? I feel like... I tried to look this up and it was tough, but I feel like there's like a palace called like the Albert Palace that is made of brick and it's called like the Brick brick Castle, I think, but I could be wrong about that. There's some kind of brick something or other. In England, in Victorian times, that would be a noticeable reference that other people would get. But I am having trouble figuring out what it would be. Huh. I mean, I, should, I have no fucking idea. Yeah. I should ask somebody, but I'm very lazy. It's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, man. That's why I hope that you know. And if you don't know, I just give up. Sorry, you know, I'd give an arm and a leg for that knowledge, but I just don't have it. Speaking wow. of uh, giving oh, up oh. arms, Fox... <laughs> Oh my god, it's Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. So, uh, script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant is Stevie Grover, art robots Brett Ewens, Brendan McCarthy, and Steve Dillon, letting robot Tom Frame. Oh, sorry, and Ron Smith and the art robots, yep. 
I love Tom Frank. Always the best. Dude, there's like a how could this happen to me moment. <laughs> how could this happen to me? <laughs> it's so it's this whole this whole thing is just uh uh the departed. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's very like yeah, like the end of the crime movie stuff. So uh mm-hmm. we got we got a pair of Wally squatters who are doing their arms deal. Again, literal arms, but it's a double cross. Uh <laughs> Dread arrives in time to save one of the Wally squatters, but the organ leggers escape. Uh, the rest after of the... after uh, sticking him up with a plastic dart uh, shooty gun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they... yeah, they go. Oh, you only meant well. <laughs> well, of course you did. <laughs> no. Wow. No, they had to use a plastic crossbow thing to get through the metal detector and stuff, bro. Oh, of course, I know. I was just making a callback to uh, the show. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you you've rare moment of losing me. I'm sorry, buddy. That's <laughs> all right. It, there was like a whole shooting sequence. I'm trying to remember, but I, I did have a gin and tonic before this. So, like, chances are low. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so the rest of Wally Squad is set to find to find out where these organ leggers are as, um, or if someone's selling an arm, uh, a whole bunch of arms somewhere as a uh, Shay, the other, the other, uh, Wally squatters body is found. He's dead. Um, the surviving Wally squatter Pino comes around. He won't give any information, but instead swears revenge on the killer on the killer's dread, uh, suspends him, but then keeps a close eye on him. Cause he knows he's going to go avenge his dead partner. Yeah. yeah, I like revengeance. Revengeance is the greatest motive for getting revenge. Hey, in the words of uh, my brother, I'm a very interested in revenge. <laughs> wow! So Pino gets out of the hospital, out of his hospital bed, and steals a lawmaster again out for revenge. Dread is in pursuit. Um, he and a lady judge track Pino to the Nancy Mitford block. Nancy Mitford was a journalist and writer in the early 20th century. She identified this list of what she called you and non-you terms to decide if you talk like a posh or upper-class person. Really? Um, what? It's an interesting list. Um, the big one that's really stuck out to me is that a lot of the upper-class terms are also terms that like regular Americans use, like calling oh. it a sofa instead of a settee, or um, calling it lunch instead of dinner, like a midday meal, basically. What? What the fuck do they call the late-night meal, then? Uh, supper, I think. Oh. But I could right. be wrong about that. I don't know. Um, That's so, so crazy. Yeah. Yeah, if you look up, like, you and non-you English, <laughs> like, there's a list oh. of things. Um, I'm doing that. Do it. So, uh, Pino beats up his informant for information, revealing his judge status and threatening the informant's life for info about the, dr- the organ leggers. Dread arrives as Pino appears uh, or prepares to shoot the informant and he shoots Pino instead because it's oh my God. the law. Can't just go fucking around, man. We're going to take your ass down. That's right. It's int- I mean, what's really interesting in this is um, Dread basically going back to, hey, it's the law. You got to follow it. Absolutely. Which makes this an interesting follow up to the question of judgment series that we just sort of went through and stuff, you know? Yeah. It seems exactly. like Dredd has lost, has sort of figured out some of those doubts that he had previously. Well, I mean, tighter boots, man. It's true. Um, so with I, the inf- I, I will also say he also calls it, it's not just a failing on his part or mm-hmm. on the, the informant's part. God damn it, informant Jesus. Oh, yeah. But just that, that it's the nature of the Wally squad. If you let them... Uh, pretend to be citizens eventually they'll become like Mm. citizens and not obey the law you know well he calls it like our mistake like the justice department's mistake for not catching it right he's like this is everyone's fault and (laughs) you know we had to kill a we had to kill a man today it ain't right yeah so but with this information dread is able to quickly shut down the organ leggers madre grud (laughs) that's so great these guys go to the cubes and their limbs go to licensed organ charities but hey, hey, why not? Hey, Fox, where's Dread going? Uh... First, he's going to a change of artist to Stephen Dillon, and then we see him going to the Proteus, an experimental time pod that holds two judges and their lawmasters. Which two judges, Fox? My favorite two judges in the whole world. It's Judge Dredd and fucking the hottest judge of all, Judge Anderson. She's so happy. Yeah, it's good times. Yeah, so What's up, Andy? I see you. Step by, please notice me. She call her Cassie because her first name's Cassandra. But anyhow, oh, really? um, yeah. yeah. 
But uh, so you remember the Judge Child saga, right, Fox? A little bit? Yeah, sure. Why not? I uh, remember the boy. Yeah, he's yeah. dead, though. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, we uh, nuked yeah. him from space. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah. But you remember that um, when it started, this uh, side judge, Judge Faye, made a dying prediction that there would be an apocalypse in the year uh, 2120, which is 16 years from when the uh, from when the judge house started about 13 or 14 years from where we are now in in the comic. Um, But that's so far away. Why are we? Right. And it's always good to investigate the apocalypse. Basically, it's just that, like, you know, (laughs) always good. To investigate the apocalypse. Yeah, what, you're just going to let it happen? That's bullshit. <laughs> got to figure this out, buddy. <laughs> I think that's maybe one of my favorite statements you've ever made. <laughs> I don't know what else you're going to do. Um, but so, <sighs> we knew that back then, Owen Chrysler, the judge child, was going to help us get through the apocalypse. But now he's dead. Like, what's going to happen? And I mean, mostly it's just like, hey, like, we got... We, now we have this time machine, the Proteus, so... Where are you going to go? Like, let's, you know, let's go check out the purported apocalypse and then we can go back and like push Jesus or whatever you do, with the, whatever else you do with the time machine, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you do what any sensible search and destroy agent would do. And I guess arrest Hitler. Hey, that's o- uh, that's only sensible for search and destroy agents if the bounty is right. Right. <laughs> not I'm just saying. saying that that was done out of the goodness of anybody's heart. Um, but so anyhow, so they're going to go check it out. There's some quick training, some injections, some medically induced puking to avoid time sickness, and they're loaded aboard. <laughs> oh, my God. They get ready to go. Anderson kind of asks a decent uh, time travel question of like, hey, like if we go 13 years in the future, are we going to age 13 years? And Dredd is like, <laughs> I never thought to ask. And Anderson's like, hey, man, like that's not cool. <laughs> but they go, time displacement. They, uh land safely in 2120 and head out but to what sweet mercy the city of the damned mega epic has begun i'm pretty excited there's vampires there's a uh a goro with plus two plus two to arms there's a big minus two to eyes also yeah Uh, i mean (laughs) once you grow that second uh set of arms you lose the eye uh you let your fingers do the do the do the looking Oh, my God. But, yeah, after after they travel, there's this big uh, poster graph spread in the middle that is sort of one of these movie posters that just sort of shows the whole story in one big image. It's pretty awesome. I mean, Um, it's a movie I want to see. Yeah. Big, giant monster, multi-armed monster in the top, a lot of vampires. There's a messed up Hershey badge, which we'll find out about next um, (gasps) next episode, all this kind of stuff. Um, No. You'll see. Um, Anyhow. Um, <laughs> um, we are finally in the city. Oh man, it's the Hell Street Blues, Fox. Hey, are you familiar with the show Hill Street Blues? Nope. It's, it was a, it was an American TV show, ran from like 81 to 87, I want to say, and was yep. sort of one of the first of one of these like procedural shows that really, like procedural cop shows that really just kind of like wow. follows a, uh, a whole bunch of uh, police officers sort of in Law a precinct. B- pre-law and order. Um, oh, wow. It was sort of this thing where it was like, you know, it sort of opened up with like a cop kind of be- with like, you know, like the sergeant kind of explaining what's going on in the city that week in a big or in the- that episode, in like a big, um, you know, briefing thing where he'd be like, all right, everybody go and be careful out there. And there'd be sort of an ensemble cast of cops that would sort of deal with various issues and stuff in the course of the episode. Um, that sounds cool. Yeah, it it's, it's 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 pretty good. I mean, it, it, it went on for a long time. And it's pretty influential in terms of like... Um, being a baseline from which other cop shows and, you know, TV cop shows sort of grow out of in, the, in, in America here. Um, I've seen Cheers. Is it like Cheers? I mean, it's from this era. In the, in, you know, in the early 80s, there wasn't really a concept of having a TV show to be sort of funny and serious at the same time. So, um, Columbo. I mean, Columbo is different because it's sort of a movie or something. But these, Or, you know, it's like these two-hour things. But there is a lot yeah, like yeah. things are a lot more serious here. So, you know, Cheers is sort of just funny and not serious. Hill Street Blues fair. is kind of serious without a lot of humor. You know? Oh, I don't know. Go back and watch the first season of Cheers. Things get pretty, pretty dicey. Damn. Anyhow, enough of this back talk. And I'm just talking about Hill Street Blues because um, <laughs> this part that we're in, Hell Street Blues has a lot of Hill Street Blues jokes in it, basically. <laughs> like... We ba- uh, we basically open with a splash page of these um ju- of these vampire judges drinking people's blood, and 
all Man, they're all not vampires. They're blue pyres. Lame. It's, it's true. And but all of these all of these blue pyre judges are caricatures of characters on Hill, on Hill Street Blues. Oh. So okay. yeah. So, but anyhow, Dredd and Anderson find themselves in the burnt-out remains of a Mega City One. Thirteen years in the future, it's not war damage; it's more just sort of like general decay, which is weird. Yeah, um, that's strange. Why isn't everything all blown up? Yeah, there's a, a sense of a malevolent force that Anderson recognizes as some sort of giant human spider kind of thing. Judge Death? No, but, it's no. way better than Judge Death. It's crazier than that. I mean, listen, Judge Death is next year. Um, wow. But yeah, there's this big evil force spilling all over the city, so let's keep looking around. They spot a citizen who runs from them and like actually leaps into a rad pit and melts to death instead of like having his blood drinking by um, by by the blues or whatever. It's ridiculous. It's really horrible. And you watch his hands melting and it's really gross. It's cool. Yeah. The judges head to Hill Street, which is now Hell Street, where blue skinned devils are uh, now prey on the weak, the Hell Street Blues. Vampire judges, yeah, again, based on characters from Hill Street Blues, including names of characters on that show, like Belker and Ranko and stuff. Um, Jesus. And to this scene comes Dredd and Anderson. Next time, the kiss of death. Man, I like vampires. I mean, even if they're the lame blue kind. But <laughs> my favorite thing is all the skulls hanging from things. Oh, yeah. No, they just really, they really um, uh, hell Christmas the fuck out of this place. Definitely, yeah. Whatever malevolent force there is, they definitely managed to establish a brand and then get the whole city on that brand, for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, that's really, if you're going to send a, a message like, hey, man, we're, uh, we're trick-or-treating, but by trick-or-treating, we mean drinking your blood a whole bunch. Yep. And we want to let people know what we're about. You got to hang some skulls, maybe have some pumpkins. So true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of a terrifying futures, Fox... Oh my it's, god. Uh, non thrills, covers, and nerve centers. <laughs> my future is horrific because it's now. Oh, and I got no. stuff. So, uh, Prague 391, Fox, what does a dinosaur call a hell trek? Oh, meals meals on, on wheels. wheels. Hell <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Robin Smith has some jokes as dinosaurs attack in the rain. In the nerve center, Rico Tharg calls out Albert Robita. Uh, Robita a French artist who has some who has clearly has some nem- some influence on this series of Nemesis. Uh, mm-hmm. Really cool stuff, worth looking up. I'd say he's got a lot of cool like uh, just futurescapes of a very sort of like the future as seen from like eighteen ninety sort of things. Oh yeah, um, like it's like you know it's this idea of like if you if you know steampunk stuff, this clearly seems to be like like what steampunk is trying to uh, replicate. If that makes sense. Hey, Amen. I, I mean, I love it. It's yeah. so great, Victorian, uh, beautiful, everything. Yeah, definitely. So um, then um, we there's a picture of Judge Slain. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, sorry, Judge Slain Strontium t- uh, Trooper, which is one of these ones <laughs> that's just sort of like all of the 2000 AD Rushmore characters in like one picture, which is pretty good. Um, there's recipes for Zenades. Uh, requests from RAF pilots, questions about art droids drawing heavy metal covers, which they all definitely do. There's a really funny article or an interview by uh, Everything Comes Back to 2000 AD where they interview Ron Smith and he talks about drawing uh, heavy metal album covers. And it's really funny because he's like, he sounds like this old British granddad. So it's kind of funny being like, yes, I do many metal covers. It's pretty cool. It's pretty funny. So great. It's like when like a a Christopher Lee talked about heavy metal stuff or things like that, I think. Yeah. Um, Mid Prague, there's a paper doll for, uh, of a Judge Dredd. He looks so naked to me without like his bashed shoulder pads. It's real weird. He looks like Action Man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Prog 392, there's the murderer. Fire! Uh, Brett Ewins steps in for the finale of Rogue Trooper. Um, In the nerve center, Strontium Tharg discusses the end of Rogue Trooper, assures us that he'll be coming back very soon. There's a picture of a GI hairbrush, which is, of course, a brush brush of hair that you use to polish your boots. So great. Letters from a kid whose progs were burned by, like, his brother. Questions about Tharg's coloring. Fuck? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Don't be jerks. Um, like, the, um, a com- question about a comic book club. A reminder that the children are the future. And Tharg then reminds that kid that, hey, like, you're the future for your children, you Gen X jerk. 
Um, and <laughs> and uh, a letter from John Hamilton, Britain's scruffiest man. Wow. Um, Prog 393, move over, Ron and Nancy. Slippery Jim <laughs> and Angelina are here as uh, as Scara blesses us with another uh, another one of these movie poster covers for Stainless Steel Rat. You know, sort of like a, the, the City of the Damned one where it just does this thing where it shows you every element of the story sort of in the poster for it. It's really awesome. I mean, I love that Jim is back. I'm so fucking happy, man. I just love this poster, too, of, um, like, uh, the stainless steel rat, like, in this military uniform with this big crowd and, like, Angelina there, too. And um, they're both looking real cool. And, like, the crowd's going crazy and stuff like that. It's really neat. It's a really neat cover. It really is. So, uh, in the nerve center, Tharg the Horrific laments the cold weather and hypes us up for City of the Damned and the new Stainless Steel Rat story. There's a picture of Prince Garp and Princess Gatorina, very it's Charles beautiful. and Diana. It's hilarious. I love it. Um, <laughs> letters are asking if Mick McMahon plays soccer, and it's a different McMahon. There's uh, plugs for the 2080 computer games, several inquiries about the start of the thrills, including when the new Stainless Steel Rat uh, story is going to start. And Tharg is like, now! And then like, the next page is the start of the story. Great. Yeah. Um, and for the record, the version of the comics we have skipped two episodes of that D&D comic I was talking about last time. Thank God. <laughs> so I've completely lost the track of it, so I'm just not even going to talk about it anymore. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Prog 394, what's that? The Hell Street Blues! Uh, Ron Smith gives is giving us that City of the Damned spirit. In oh, the, it's uh, beautiful. Vampires. Yeah, crazy, yeah. Uh, ner- yeah, uh, Judge Vampires. Um, in the Nerve Center, Sherlock Tharg has well wishes for the coming uh, December holidays. There's a picture of Nemesis and questions about 2080 number one. Judge Dread Art, a double torso... And a mummy who loves hell trekkers. Also, hey, you can, why not? Yeah, and you can win a, a free stainless steel rat save the world a video game. Oh, is it good? I, uh, like, I, comment, subscribe if it's good or if it's bad. Yeah, do both. Like, 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 comment, subscribe if you have opinions about the stainless steel rat plays <laughs> saves the world video games. Smash <laughs> that subscribe button, and for the love of God, hit the bell. Uh, whatever that means. I watch YouTube. I don't watch enough YouTube, so I'm always like, uh, like leave a, you know, com- leave us five stars on uh, iTunes because it bumps us up in the ratings or something. I don't feel like we have a lot of ratings in general, and I don't know how people search 2000 AD, but I don't, I'm not, I don't make a big deal about it. Anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd heard that joke. <laughs> oh no, yeah, we're having connections problems. It's very sad. Speaking of things that are very sad, Fox. Oh no. <laughs> oh, I did it again. It's so sad. Yeah. Through four hell trekkers. We just <laughs> cut to melty woman again. I That's right. Want to see that twice. Oh, you're going to see it forever. Uh, scripted by John Wagner and Alan Grant is F. Martin <laughs> Candor. Art robot Horatio Lalia. Letting robot Tony Jacob. Yeah. So uh, wagon nine we see is uh, dying from crazy acid rain, um, and it's sort of melting through the roof of Rollo Peterson's moped. Um, meanwhile. The Glemp's crab mutant do- mutant crab daughter Crustacea has started crawling, or at least yeah, her first scuttle. <laughs> um, bad news in Wagon Twenty Two, though, as Spot Kelsey has started showing signs of the black scab. Oh man, that doesn't sound good. It Does actually sound- sounds gross. Yeah, it's true. Uh, meanwhile, in a uh, Wagon Twelve, they which got left behind last episode because of wagon trouble. Um, they're in trouble again because a trio of T-Rexes show up. Oh, that God. with the taste of human blood. Yeah, it's it's not just bad that then three T-Rexes from the wrong side of town show up. Oh, uh, no, not those seedy bad side of town T-Rexes. The, oh, uh, man. The Wagon Twelvers try to fight them off, but they're no match for the King of Lizards. Oh. <laughs> the, uh, the Trekkers head back to check on Wagon 12. They find only dog vultures, cannibal mutants, and a single dead T-Rex there. It's a tough because they can just walk through the acid rain. There's, Apparently, they don't give a shit. Nope. There's only one survivor, the baby Ernesto. The uh, trekkers grab the baby, do some quick burials, and leave the food to the mutants and torch the eaten vehicles so the weapons won't fall into the wrong hands. Two days in, and already 10 of 111 are dead. <laughs> That's. Ah, uh, okay. So the 101 survivors. Yeah. It's your new Disney movie. 
exactly. Oh my gosh, it's uh, 101 Dalmatians crossed over with a uh, battle with the first season of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> um, anyhow, there's another there's another funeral. Getting good at these funerals now. <laughs> like, they got them down d- down to a science in terms of like how the how they run these things. That's uh, oh, really bad. <laughs> then there's a meeting to discuss this dinosaur problem. They can't. We can't just let these dinos follow us and slowly eat people. Now they've tasted human meat. Uh, I mean, the, you kind of have to. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, the Neb suggests an ambush baited with young crustacea. This leads what to a fuck, brawl, man? of course. Yeah, listen, these guys, these Nebs are bad guys. And suddenly a call goes out, and everyone learns that the Kelsey wagons got the black scab. Um, that wagon is quarantined because there's no cure for that disease. The next day, the Trekkers head out, but it's bad news from, wag- from tra- Wagon 24 because they've got the scab, too. Oh, my God. So many scabs. It's true. Yeah, the dinos are on the hunt now. They're digging up the bodies that have been buried oh, to fucked. eat their flesh. It's crazy. You have some respect, dinos. Ridiculous. I know. <laughs> Just because it's, like, not your weird, uh, you know, your dino religion doesn't mean that you know, the burial of other people's dead should just be used as a yeah. form of sustenance. Plus, like, it took me, like, an hour to dig that grave, bro. Like, you're being a jerk. I spent 30 it's minutes really... doing that funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Everyone said a nice eulogy. Yeah. So, the the trek is in the grip of the black scab, and they hit this giant uh, cloud of smog. Um, the uh, In Wagon 3, the Ho Chi Minh block co-op has caught the scab pretty bad. Um, we have a, one more funeral before we hit the slough of, the slough of uh, St. Louis, the deadliest rad fog in the West. Apparently, no one told uh, the writers of this that St. Louis is already a slew. Oh! Woo! Take that, Missouri. Shots fired. Oh, shit. Um, in his moped... Rollo Peterson, like his, his, you know, he's just got like a, he's just in an RV while everybody else is in these like armored rad wagons. He's such a dumbass. He's like, all right, like, listen, it's, yeah, it's going to be super radioactive. My vehicle can't handle it. I'll just put on my own radiation gear as we go through. How is he not just dead? Everyone else is dying and this guy in the dumb mobile is not dead yet. Well, I mean, I mean, let's not start making... It, this is Hell Trekker, so let's not make any real bold claims about who's dead and who isn't, you know? All right, then. Like, you know, at least put a yet on there. And, you know, and sometimes one guy's got to hold on for a while so that when he does die, it's all the more, like, meaningful or something, because you have some close calls. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, just yeah. acid was leaking through his car. It's true. Yeah, stopped just in time. Um, so they, so he puts on his rad gear. They all head into this rad fog and those grave robbing T-Rexes are getting closer and closer. I, you know, it's even worse because they're just eating the corpse of the dead child who's also diseased. It's tough, man. Yeah, they don't care at all. They got those cast iron stomachs. True fact, though, next time, the, if the scab don't get you, the quag will. Oh, what the fuck? I think it's like a bog or something. Anyhow, <laughs> ridiculous. Ridiculous hell checker stuff. Two funerals, lots of deaths. Just this is again just a misery trek. It's real good. No, it's not My real good. God. But it's real depressing. It's, <laughs> it's so massively depressing. Children are dying. You're like absolutely. God damn. And then like the ah, <laughs> these T Rexes are being real dicks about this whole situation. It's true. <laughs> Sorry, so I, chil- no. children are dying and not in the uh, in the what way. Oh, in the in like the uh, this is an asshole kid, and you're gonna get eaten. Oh yeah, sort of yeah, no, flesh yeah. style. Yeah, nice kids are getting eaten. It's terrible. <laughs> it's really shitty. I mean, you know, it's like man, Hell Trekkers are really really hurting me deep. It's true. Yeah, they make you think about stuff. But that's what I'm saying. It's a real. It's a. It's it's crazy how much of a bummer this story is. Honestly. It's really super <laughs> duper bummer. Yeah, uh, but got... I, I like it a lot. Like all the art is beautiful. I mean, I I like that it's taking this subject matter seriously and it's yeah. really painting this this trek. I love the map and how it updates as to where they are. Like, yeah, now, there's a lot of really good things. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot to like about it. I think, but it is also like wow, like just there's never like there's never like a oh we barely made it kind of thing it's like no yeah listen some of these guys definitely didn't make it you know oh god like really yeah, totally yeah and speaking of uh dangerous journeys fox it's oh, fuck. uh 
305 Ace Trucking. So, uh, script robot for Ace Trucking, Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Grover, Art Robot, Art Robots, Massimo Bellardinelli, and the Gioletti Agency, Lettering Robot, Tony Jacob. So, uh, Ace wasn't in Prague 392. There's only three this Ooh. week. It looks like Bellardinelli might, might be having some, like, some problem make, uh, hitting the deadline here because, uh, we only get him for one, uh, or for two issues. Um, but then, yeah, Gioletti moves over for a little bit. Um, so the crew is back on the ghost. They're trying to convince Abe about their plan to harvest worms and then sell them on the planet Great. from Ouroboros for a massive profit. Ace is skeptical but gets outvoted. Because <laughs> mm. it's all his plan anyway. Yeah. They start to uh, take off as evil blood makes a rush after them, but it's too late. I love that he's like this guy who's constantly chasing after them. Totally. Uh, it, he, it makes him just such a... a good comedy totally yeah he's definitely like yar i just missed him nah but i'll get him yet (laughs) (laughs) um so two days later they arrive in the worm world of tubifaxa it's uh definitely covered in worms fox like 100 (laughs) percent gbh pulls out the vacuum the ship vacuum just starts hoovering them up into the ship's hold and ace seems worried but in fact he's pretty stoked because this is all part of his crazy scheme to get the ship back I mean, I feel like any of his schemes, like any of his schemes, it's just not gonna I like really how, work yeah. out. I like how this is clearly also a crazy scheme, but Feek basically made the key point that, like, the difference between this scheme, Ace, and your schemes is that you aren't involved in this scheme. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, okay, to, it's an okay risk to take. So uh, the ship has arrived, the uh, Speedo Ghost has arrived at Orobi. Uroy Boros, which I have trouble pronouncing. It's really just a Rob Boros. Yeah, I agree. It's, I'm trying to do it. There's a lot of double O's in here. Uroy Boros or something? Yeah. They, they, they arrive at a, at a robbers with a uh, hole full of worms, and it's time to get selling. Feek takes the stage and starts showing off the worms, even eating a couple. But uh-oh, oh. people start freaking They're out. They're all worms. They're all worm people. Yeah. Back on the ship, Ace tells the, uh, the ghost, the ship's computer, that he changed some records. And that worms aren't food on this planet. They're worshipped like gods. Oh, no. So when Feek eats them, he's like a heretic and it causes a riot. <laughs> the people are really not okay with them eating their species. No way. Yeah, they, they're called heretics and get taken into the hole. They've been conned and they clearly instantly know this was Ace like screwing with them, basically, which I thought was pretty good, too. That's, um, it's just like, yeah, we're not going to go through like some kind of moral thing. No, this was definitely our yeah, boss. It's, yeah, it's clearly not an actual mistake. This is just a crazy scheme in, in action. Um, <laughs> so uh, Studio Gioletti takes over as Ace visits the crew in the dungeon. Uh, man, it's a real downgrade in art from Ballardinelli to Gioletti here, I gotta strong say. Strong agree. Um, but uh, yeah, so they've they've figured out the whole situation. Ace uses their dire straits to get them to agree to let him be the boss again, um, and, and they have they they seem to have little choice. But the next day at their trial, it looks like they might actually just go free because the oh judge is willing to just kind of say like ignorance of the law is some kind of excuse. Get off our planet! Um, yeah, you guys are <laughs> huge dicks, and yeah. just leave here now. But as he prepares to release them. Something happens overhead. It's Ace and the ghost, and he's here to spring them. He blasts through the ceiling and just freaking fire hoses everybody with several tons of worms. Oh, my gosh. I mean, seems like a pretty good plan. <sighs> I, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I mean, I mean like, fly, yeah, flying a spaceship through the roof and then, like, distracting everybody seems like it'd be decent. But uh, with his buddies already let off, it seems like it's definitely not helping their case at all. I mean, um, this is a case of Ace Garp uh, doing the barp darp. He's just garping <laughs> himself here, for sure. Yeah, next time, it's a definite throwaway key job. <laughs> <laughs> wow. More, Yeah, just more fun, just kind of random Ace Strucking stuff here. I really like Feek. Feek's love of eating these worms and like the the uh, how much he savors trying to sell them and stuff like that's pretty funny. Um, oh yeah, my actually one of my favorite little pictures is that because uh, Ace mentions offhandedly that his uh, that his scarf eats 
worms, and it actually shows one vacuuming oh, yeah. one into it. Yeah, it's like it's so weird cool. with Ace's scarf. I don't, I don't understand what's going on with that. But yeah, <laughs> no, and it's and it's all the better for it. I feel Definitely. like, yeah, absolutely for sure. But yeah, um, I really hope Bellarinelli comes back. I yeah, the G, we're, we're gonna have Gialetti a little bit next week too, and yeah, they're definitely mm. it's a definite. You can definitely see the change in quality in the art and stuff. Man. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure the guy's a good artist, but the, you know, Paolo Ginelli's no, and a lot, so, a, a lot of this stuff is clearly like swipes and like reuse sort of like base drawings of things that Paolo yeah, Ginelli exactly. has done and then gone from there. But anyhow, speaking of uh, interplanetary crime, Fox. <laughs> oh, fuck yes! Yeah, it's Thrill Six. The stainless steel rat runs for president. That is what I'm talking. Oh no! Oh, it's it's comical at this yeah, point. Yeah, absolutely. Say that's what I'm talking about <laughs> enthusiastically again, please. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Yeah. Uh, script robot is Kelvin Gosnell. Art robot Cal- Carlos Escarri. Letting robot Jack Potter. Okay, Fox. It's the far future. Things are pretty good. Uh, the only criminals are people who really want to break the law, and because of that, they're really good at doing it. Example, Slippery Jim DeGriz and his aunt and his wife Angelina, the Stainless Steel Rats. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's about to enter one of the oldest of criminal rackets, Vox. Of course, politics. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it. Jim and Angelina, it's funny, we just open up with them eating a fancy dinner when some cops show up. But rather than discuss what they want, uh, Jim just... Hits the lead cop with some sleeping gas and dives out the window. Like, oh, I've gone to kill myself, dear. Have a pleasant evening. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Every, oh God, just all of this. Just all of it. Just, You'll know because yeah. he'll explain it. The level of banter between Jim and Angelina is fantastic. It's really I great. They are clearly husband and wife and are totally into each other. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, he escapes. Uh, you know, super droll. Later, Jim arrives back at their safe house, but the cops are there too. It's like, ah, oh, betrayal! <laughs> <laughs> They're investigating a murder. It's the first one on their planet in 113 years. And um, he's a person of interest because the murder victim left a note poorly spelled addressed to the stainless steel rat. Um, so Jim checks it out. He calls in Special Corps, like the... Uh, the, poli- the uh, interstellar police organization he's nominally a part of to uh, help him investigate it. Um, but before they can give the, in- the info to the rats, they want uh, the return of the 750 th- or 75,000 credits they've stolen from the core previously. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Angelina seems to just have that much lying around, so that's cool. Um, and the message comes in, this guy was from the planet Periasso Aki. Um, and they should head out there and check it out. Special core orders. Hey, why not? Yeah, they might as well leave because between the, that murder and some recent robbery of 75,000 uh, 75, credits by a masked woman, this place is really going to the dogs. Or at least oh. to the rats. Woo! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... The rats arrive on Periasso Aki. They find it a bustling hive of corruption, oppression, and tourism, like so many tourist dives uh, or tourist places. Uh, Slippery Jim noses about. He like goes to a bookstore and finds a history book, um, and which has like a note from the resistance in it, basically. Um, but then is also immediately uh, uh, collared by a cop, so it might be a trap. But who knows? What is what is important is that Jim's cover is super blown. Oh my back, god! Yeah, back at the hotel, they ponder going to an offered meet. Um, as they do, Angelina takes down a horde of cops when they barge in as Jim escapes. <laughs> so great because remember, Angelina is the muscle in this group. Like he can't stress that enough. You know, Jim's just it's, sort of is the is the brains, and she's the muscle basically. <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah, definitely. She'll rip out your trachea. Oh my gosh, she'll mess you up. Um, yeah. So Angelina sort of goes to the meat off screen and learns about all the oppression and torture and corruption on the planet, um, which he tells Jim over breakfast, at which point they are all brought in by the secret police. And uh, so Jim makes a scene at the tourist spot, basically, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, basically saying like, oh, my God, call the embassy. They're taking me away and all this yeah. stuff. So the secret police agree to not like take him in if he leaves the planet right away, which means that we are, we've got two planetary de- uh, deportations this episode, which is pretty funny. Um, 
Um, and they basically head out. But man, these cops won't be pleased when they return. Next time, a plague of rats. <laughs> I love these stainless steel rat stories. This is the last one. Um, and I just love how it's just sort of yeah. jumping jumping in on the action. You know, you've got these characters yes. that are real fun. Yes. And they just kind of have this, like, banter constantly. You can tell they, like, ha- have, like, uh, an amazing amount of chemistry, which is something we don't really see a lot yeah. in comics, you know? But that exactly. um, makes them real fun. And, um, yeah, and just sort of the idea that it was like, yeah, like, listen, you know, these guys don't sweat the small stuff. They sort of jump in and start doing things and sort of don't let, like, concerns slow them down. And I appreciate that as part of the Chemistry is, is equally the amount of what is said as to what isn't said, right? Mm. Like... And I think that uh, a lot of the brevity that they kind of treat the situations with and, and their communication with each other, it's like, it's funny, it's quippy, it's great. But the thing I want to point out to, and the biggest star of this entire, uh, uh, you know, two issues, mm-hmm. uh, is, you know, just her constant costume changes into something even more sexy than the last Oh, time. yeah. No, yeah, that's an important point, which is that... Uh, Carlos Escarage, like, you know, as much as he's totally drawing Jim DeGriz as this kind of, like, smooth sci-fi James Coburn, he's also drawing um, Angelina as sexy as hell constantly. It's awesome. <laughs> she is changing clothes nonstop. It's yeah. great. ton of, of uh, sexy sci-fi outfits. It's good times. Good times. Um, but speaking of uh, bad sci-fi times, Fox, <laughs> it's... Thrill Seven, Future Shocks. Oh, good. Yeah, those those things. Yep, and just, they weren't bad. Nah, just a pair this time. Uh, both by Peter Milligan. The first one is Sixty Hours That Shook the World. Script about Peter Milligan. Our rep Brendan McCarthy is R. R. Jones. Uh, no lettering about it listed. Uh, or I don't. I didn't put it down. I guess. But this is a four and a half pager, so it's kind of long. Um, but I think it's at least partially saved by its length by by McCarthy's excellent drawings yes. of like angry army dudes, which are real good here. Um, they got real frowns. Yeah, but basically, a bunch of sci-fi army guys are testing new weapons. One of them tears a hole in reality to another world. The uh, which which is crazy. The general in charge um, orders that this new world be destroyed with experimental strangle bombs. And then after they send him through, another scientist goes into the other world to sort of see what's going on, only to find out that it isn't an alternate world. It's actually our world, but 60 years in the future. Here come the strangle bombs. Oh, my God. We blew up ourselves. Yep, yep, yep. You know, the army's going to kill us all eventually. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Second story is Medusa. Script by Peter Milligan. Art about Cliff Robinson, later about Tom Frame. It's the future, and humanity has mm. encountered the Medusa, a form of alien life that is completely toxic to humanity and vice versa. To study yeah. them, yeah, it's cool. To study them, John Lazarus puts on a helmet, goes through a lot of pain, and basically ends up swapping bodies with a uh, Medusa alien so that they can study each other, just like the uh, the person their personalities and stuff. Kind of the, a cool idea. Yeah, it's definitely an actual use of that body switching technology from like classic cartoons and um, science fiction things. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just kind of talk about stuff, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the real star here, I, th- I think, is Robinson's art. Um, right at the end, there's this picture of like the human mind and the Medusan body being like braced by these other Medusa guys. That looks real terrifying, and I think it's pretty good. Uh, it's. It seems like a horrific thing, although the the dude who's a the dude who's a human looks like no worse for wear, really. Yeah, well, I mean, he's having a. I mean, we, we don't know what these Medusas look like, you know, so they have different like uh, spatial structures or something. But anyhow, That's fair. yeah. With that, Fox, holy jeez, <sighs> we've reached the end of this episode. We've talked about all our progs from November, December, nineteen eighty four. Progs three ninety one to three ninety four. So, the question remains, and this is going to be fraught with peril because of our connection problems. I'm asking you to talk, uh, like over extended (laughs) periods. But let's cross our fingers, and please tell me what were your top and bottom thrills. Oh, and it happened immediately! (laughs) Right when I said said it was going to be a problem, you immediately cut out. Jesus Christ. Never doing this again. All right. What do you got? What do you got for me? Okay. So for top, 
Uh, this is really hard. I mean, like my my big thing is like I'm glad to see uh, DeGriz and Angelina back in action. Nemesis the Warlock top. It's awesome. It's beautiful. I love it. But special mention to Hell Trekkers is like runner up because it's real good and real dour. Uh, nice. Bottom is going to be fuck. I don't know. Like anything that's two issues. No, because that puts Jim DeGriz in there. So I guess just uh, Rogue. Uh, Rogue is only on the bottom by default. I like the way it ended. It was fine. It, it ended as it lived. Uh, I don't hate it, but it, it, like everything else is at this point outshining it in terms of awesome, which is sad, but goodbye, Rogue. I love you. Fair enough. Yeah, cool. All um, right. Yeah. For me, um, I'm going to say my top is definitely Nemesis the Warlock. The return of Hammerstein, the ABC Warriors is so amazing. I really love all of like the battle scenes that the uh, that Hammerstein was involved in, and then just like more of the future tech and like this big um, train that they're on and all that stuff. All that stuff's really neat. Love and Nemesis, you know. Basically, as always, I just, um, I'm a huge fan of it. Um, I'm gonna say for my bottom, um, I'm gonna say it's a combination of the Studio Gioletti Ace Trucking, which I really hate, and um, just. You know, maybe not, and like maybe Hell Trekkers, it's really starting to get to the point where I just like it's such a downer that it's really hurting me. Oh. Um, but Aww. I do, I do like the dinos. I do like um, the continued on stuff, but just this idea that like you know, like hey, like we're doing this stuff, but ev- yeah, everybody's quickly dying and things like the that. The trail is real. Yeah, just I mean, and just the fact that like yeah. You know, that we're, like, four, six issues into it and they've already lost, like, ten people and stuff like that is just, you know, it makes me feel sad. Rough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, even if it's realistic, it's still, like, or, like, you know, to how it was in real life, it's very, like, man, like, this is just, like, a bummer. Um, <laughs> I don't want to read a book about the Oregon Trail kind of thing. Kind of, yeah. And, like, just, like, the d- multiple times of T-Rex is, like, digging up graves and eating the corpses oh, inside that, there that. and stuff. I just don't like it. It's not my, not my cup of tea, I guess. All right. Yeah. That's fine. It's, I mean, it's a good story. It's just, like, not for me. Um, and I definitely don't want to put Rogue in the bottom because it's sort of, I, I liked how that story ended and everything else sure. is real good. Um, yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacespinner2k. Everything else will go to spacespinner2000. We should be there. And then come back next time as the stainless steel rat announces his candidacy. The Trekkers show down with the T-Rexes. Ace heads out on his own. Hammerstein attacks. And Dread meets the ultimate villain, sexy vampire Judge Hershey. Oh, oh, I'm into that. I'm into it too. Until then, I'm Conrad Eastbox. And we are Space Spinner 2000. Slow speed.